a lot of what I've been working with leaders on is how do we drive a more elevated HR experience and HR leader and partner experience so that we're ahead and being predictive and being um, the ones coming to the table with the questions versus being reactive. And I think that's shifting some of the ways we think about how HR is organized and where we focus our resources. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. What does the HR of the future look like? That's quite a big question, considering that HR varies a lot depending on the size of a company, on the industry. Now we have this added layer of complexity, if you will, of companies going either fully remote or maybe having a hybrid model or bringing their people back to the office. So responding to the question of what does the HR of the future look like, it's not an easy question to, uh, to address, but there are some principles that we can acknowledge as the fundamental pillars that will build that HR of the future. So we're going to be having a conversation today about what those pillars are, what those fundamental principles are with somebody who has been in the space of HR for a long time, connecting business strategy with people strategy, helping organizations navigate the very, very complex challenges that we have around people strategies, talent, design, learning and development, change management, and many other sort of uh, new activities or all activities that are, are under the purview of HR. So Nicole, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm Dirk Enrique. How are you? I am good. Thank you. I'm excited about the, the conversation because, you know, to, to me, I know that today there are many things that we may not like to do in HR and we still have to do them, you know, like running the payroll and policy, employee relations and all those kinds of things that will may take a long time to be fully automated. But there's a bunch of other things that are so exciting about the world and the work of HR. And those things are the ones that keep me going because those are the things that help me sort of visualize possibilities for the future. So let me ask you this. When you think about the HR of the future, what, what do you want that HR to look like? What do you want it to be like? Sure, that's a great question. Um, and I've been working with leaders for the past several years as we think about how do we transition HR? So. Back in the day, when you think about a traditional HR organization, a lot of times we were driven by enforcing policies and procedures, focusing on employee relations, really making sure that those um, people elements were intact and that we were following all the rules. And where HR is really shifting is being that leader with the business on people and our people strategy. And what I'm seeing is really how we want to elevate that role of an HR leader and the HR function in the organization. We're not just the people that you call when you have an employee relations issue. We're at the table thinking about talent and people and strategy. Um, but that requires us to think differently and shift resources differently. So a lot of what I've been working with leaders on is how do we drive a more elevated HR experience and HR leader and partner experience so that we're ahead and being predictive and being um, the ones coming to the table with the questions versus being reactive. And I think that's shifting some of the ways we think about how HR is organized and where we focus our resources. Absolutely. And, and you said something at the very beginning, which I, uh, I love and I say myself a lot 
you know, very often, which is HR is a business leader who happens to have the hat of HR or the yes. hat of people. Uh, and, and to me, it's, it's not just semantics, to be honest. It is, it is a fundamental shift in, in, you know, sort of philosophical principles of what we do. Because once we acknowledge and embrace the fact that we are driving business value through people, then our perspective about, about everything changes. Whereas if we just see ourselves as, well, I am administ administering a process or operating a process, then you just remain in that little cocoon of action that may solve problems, but it's not really a value driver, right? Exactly. Yes. And it's, it's so interesting you say that, you know, I've worked at organizations where I've sat in, in a center of excellence. I've been the talent expert or the L&D expert. And I've actually been at companies where I didn't really need to understand the business. I just needed to understand what I did. And I needed to connect with people to see how it resonated. And what I'm seeing a lot of shift now is that for me to do my job well, I have to understand the business first and then my expertise second. And I'm seeing a lot more focus on how do I help educate um, HR partners around learning the business first. We should be able to speak the business just as clearly, if not better, than we are our HR areas of expertise. Absolutely. And let me ask you yeah. one question about that, actually. For a long time, we, we've talked about HR being a center of excellence, but yes. you can't be a center of excellence if all you do is focus on what you actually do disconnected from the world, right. uh, which is exactly what you just said. You know, your expertise as an HR is less important uh, compared to your expertise as a business leader who understands how to connect those dots. So from, from a center of X, from this new definition of center of excellence that we are discussing about, what capabilities, what skills do you think we need to start uh, embracing in HR that we may have not embraced in the past in order to become that center of excellence that you're describing? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say there's probably a couple of things that I think about. So it, it's a really hot topic in HR right now <laughs> around design thinking and employee experience, right? So the more that we can know about how to um, create an employee journey, how to create um, a, a use design thinking in the way that we're thinking about our processes, I think that's a huge area where we need to get better and have more skill in HR. I also think... Um, being analytical. So regardless of what area you, <clears throat> you sit in, how do we make sure we're leading with data? And I think for a long time, and I was this person too, right? I could get away with an HR without having to have a ton of data. Um, and I think now with the rise of people analytics and predictive analytics, regardless of where you sit, you have to be analytical and you've got to know how to look at the data and interpret the data. Um, and then really good, you know, change management, not change management just in the very structured process, but in how do I really help an organization shift and move through change? If you're creating a new process, whether it's big or small, um, change has to be an integral part of that for it to be successful. And so I think we're seeing a lot more shift in what I'd call almost sort of general manager or, um, you know, people who can play lots of different roles, having a broader skill set in HR, you still need those areas of deep expertise. We still yeah. have to have our experts, but the people that I'm really seeing um, move their careers and be able to really meet the challenges are the ones who have those more um, adaptable skills and who, you know, can be plugged and played in a bunch of different areas. 
Absolutely. And and actually one thing that I um, that, that I enjoy, you know, about this new world of HR is mm -hmm. how we are expanding what was very small, perhaps circle of influence and control and action. And we are expanding it way beyond traditional HR boundaries into areas that are very exciting, but nonetheless challenging at the same time. Yes. And, and I want to actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a statement and I want to hear what you feel about this. Okay. I, I have spoken with so many people in HR and, you know, the question about data, numbers, statistics always comes up and they are like, well, you know, I got into this field because I like working with people, but also because I wasn't, I, I, I didn't think I was going to need numbers or data or all these things. That was never in the roadmap or in the portfolio of HR, you know, 10, 20 years ago, but now it is. So how can we make the shift from where we are today to that new data-oriented, data-informed sort of focus, knowing that this is sort of a personal challenge for a lot of people who didn't get into this field for that? Totally, yeah. And, and I hear that a lot, Enrique, in, in folks that I work with, um, and even some of our business leaders, right? I hear when I'll go, I've, I've sat in the business partner role and I've talked to leaders and they are very used to making people decisions with their gut or with mm. their instinct. So even for them, I think it's a big challenge. And what I always coach people and tell people is that we're not asking HR or our business leaders to move solely to only looking at the data. So we're not going from one place where we have no data to the data is going to make decisions for us, but it should be a point of conversation. It should lead us to some questions and some insights. And especially, especially as I think about how are we being more inclusive, how are we focusing on our diversity, a lot of times people might have an idea of how they're being diverse or, or I'm totally leading with, with diversity and I have a diverse population, but the data may show us something different. So it's how do we add that to our toolkit? How do we use that as something that is you know, a, a benefit that we have as an HR professional, but we still have abilities to um, consult and to advise and to talk people through solutions. I don't think it can be one or the other. I think it has yeah. to be both. Yeah. And actually you just talked about another one, which has not really been part of our portfolio. And again, you know, it may sound like I am bashing HR a lot and we know I, I, I love HR and that's why all I do All for I the do. goodness, Enrique, all, all to make us better. <laughs> all for the good stuff. But you, you just mentioned one of them, which is consulting, you know, these consulting mm -hmm. skills. And, and the reality is that even though that one skill may have been borderline between traditional portfolio and more futuristic kind of capability. We haven't done much about consulting skills uh, for a long time because we were so focused on just going by the policy, by the manual, by the, by the guideline, by the, by the legislation that little did we think about, you know, can we, can we be flexible? Can we uh, guide others through also becoming great people leaders, even if they are not in HR? And that requires those consulting skills that, and coaching skills that you're talking about. Nicole, let me ask you this. We started the conversation sort of uh, lay, laying the, 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 the groundwork for, um, for the new principles that will determine how the HR of the future will look like. If you can say maybe two or three things that you think this will be cornerstone elements of the future of HR, principles, uh, you know, uh, ways of operating, mindset, fundamentals, whatever you want to call it, what would, the, what would they be? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think the first one 
is exactly what you just said around consulting. And so having HR be more of a group of consultants instead of the business needs something, so we deliver, right? Um, and I think consulting you know, can happen in a lot of different places. Um, what I've seen or what I'm starting to see is how HR is starting to carve out what we're calling sort of a, an HR pool or a pool of resources where you don't sit in a COE, you don't sit in the business partner role, but these are our sort of consultants, our utility players, who when those special projects come up, when the business shifts and we need to move and do something really quickly, how do you have a pool of people who have a variety of different skills and capabilities that can be almost like project-based assigned to work as it comes? Part of the reason and the challenge that I've been working with leaders in HR is we have so much of our um, population focused on very specific roles that when these things come up, it's always, you know, you sit in a room with a bunch of leaders and they're picking names off the top of your head and you have these special project teams. We have so many special project teams that people can't do their other work. Yeah. So we've actually started to carve out these groups that are specific around those key initiatives, those strategic projects that come up and they're cross-functional so that they can really start to think about the impact of all of the decisions across HR. So I think that's one place. How do you think about having a more flexible resource model. Yeah. Um, I think investment in shared services is going to be critical and going to be something that we have to focus on. A lot of times I think we wanna to move to a more efficient HR organization and we do that before we invest in self-service and making yeah. sure our HR operations are good. Um, if you have really solid HR operations, it frees up capacity to do other things, to be more consultative and yeah. to be more strategic. So how do we make sure those HR operations are really good, right? And they're actually focused on the right things and delivering the right value to employees. Um, and then the last thing really is just that, that HR business partner role. How do we make that the strategic advisor, the strategic consultant to our leaders? So they should be the ones who are coming up with what's the health of the business? What's the health of the talent? How are we using some of those data and analytics to ask questions and get ahead of people challenges instead of just reacting to them. So often we're <laughs> reacting to, we have a turnover issue, we have an engagement issue. How do we get ahead of that so that we're actually leading and being proactive with our business versus just responding to the, the issue at the moment? Um, and that will be different. And I, I've talked to leaders in Rikis, some leaders I've worked with in that space are super excited about that. They want to be in that elevated role. Yeah. And some leaders are like, you know what? I'm really happy doing the work I do. And I think we're going to have to get to a place where people have to have some conversations around what is it you really love? And is yeah. this the right thing for you? Sometimes yeah. it is, and sometimes it isn't. Yeah. But to get us to where we want to be in HR and this um, we have such potential and power in our organization. Um, I think it's going to require us to shift our roles and our thinking a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and in fact, one one thing that I have, uh, this is true for HR and it's true for a lot of other, for everything, I guess, um, which is that to embrace that potential that we have, you know, it's it's not even about the skills that we have to learn because we can learn them. It's about mm -hmm. changing our mindsets. It's about saying, yes, that's our potential. And I, am, I acknowledge that as our potential. And I acknowledge the place in which I am today, which is not there yet. Therefore, I identify sort of the learning journey to get mm -hmm. me there. But if you don't believe that that's what we can do and what we should be doing, 
then you won't get them into the work of actually learning the skills to reach that potential or to you know to reach that level of of uh, of sort of new HR design and and whatnot. So. Um, I think the opportunities for HR are fantastic, and I am excited that you are making it happen. So, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing all of these insights with me and with the Hacking HR community. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me, Enrique. Thank it's you. great to be here. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.